Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin. Got another episode coming at y'all this week. And Rob's hanging out too. What's up, man? Yo. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, we're talking some rifles today. Um, get into some, some details. Uh, AR platform, that's really all I've ever fucked with. Honestly, I don't know if you own anything other than that. I mean, I've shot an AK, but... Yeah, I've shot them, but I don't own any of them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's America's rifle. I mean, there's lots of guys that are all about the AK life. That's not me, but um, we're gonna get into it. It, it. I think a lot of people have bought them in the last two years with lockdown and all the other bullshit, the summer of love and the civil unrest and all that good shit. So we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get a lot of stuff to talk about. Before we jump into that, I just gotta say thank you to our presenting sponsors here at the Prepared Mindset. First up, Slim Fit Holsters. Guys, if you're looking for a new holster, if you're looking to start carrying appendix, if you're looking to get a gift for that gun owner in your life that just got their CPL, head over to slimfitholsters.com. You can use our discount code PREPARED10. It's going to save you all 10% off and free shipping. Whatever you guys need, they got it. You can check out the list on the site. I, I seriously think they cover pretty much every pistol ever made on there. Weapon lights, no weapon light. Like I said, if you need something for appendix carry, outside the waistband, uh, inside the waistband, they got something to cover you for it. Okay, their Victorious outside the waistband is a great offer. I carry with their Gladius. Uh, if neither of those are your your cup of tea, you can check out the Guard and the Guard Ultra. Those are great, great holsters. Uh, Lexi carries with the Guard Ultra. Did did awesome with it at the the, uh, the concealed carry tactics course we took three weeks ago. Uh, again, our code is prepared ten. Like I said, it's going to you know knock off ten percent on your total and hook you up with some free shipping. Head over to slimfitholsters.com. Let James and his team hook y'all up. Also, uh, MyMedic, MyMedic.com. They're a huge partner. In what we do here, they just helped us out big time, donating for the giveaway. Uh, actually, salute SlimFit. Now that I now that I say that, so shout out to them as well. But uh, MyMedic's a great company. If you guys are out there, you're carrying a gun, you should. If you have the ability to make holes, you should have the ability to plug holes. And I mean that in the literal sense, not the sexual sense. Yeah. So get your minds out of the fucking gutter. But MyMedic.com hooked us up with the code Mindset20. It's going to save 20% off your guys' order. So whether you just need a tourniquet, uh, you need a, uh, a cut kit, burn kit, maybe just refilling a, a, a kit that you already own from another company, they cover all of that, and with your purchase, you get access to their educational content online. Great, great company doing all sorts of great stuff. That's MyMedic. Again, our code's Mindset20 for 20% off. You can also head on over to our Facebook page in our offer section. Use our link there. You can still use our code Mindset20. You can still save 20% off whatever you order, but a little piece of whatever you spend there is going to jump back to us here at the Prepared Mindset so we can keep doing all the cool stuff that we're doing here. Now, we do also have a new affiliate partner. Recently, uh, as recent as I believe I'm actually pretty sure it was earlier this week, we are now affiliate partners with Dry Fire Mag. Don't have a discount code, but it's a product that we believe in here. Uh, I've, I use it a ton for dry practice. Trevor's used it a ton, for, a ton for dry practice. It's an awesome, awesome tool that allows you guys to replicate the audible and tactile click of a trigger pull while you're dry firing. And honestly, I, I picked mine up uh, the month after lockdown set in and it saved me a shitload of money on ammo. And it continues to save me a shitload of money. Uh, you know, a SHOT Show was last week. 
Uh, they just came out and, and debuted their new model that actually is a smart dry fire mag that works with a laser cartridge. So now you pick up one of these dry fire mags with their laser cartridge, it'll turn any gun, well, that, that they cover, it'll turn any gun into a cert gun. If you don't know what a cert gun is, basically you pull the trigger, you get that audible and tactile click, but you also get the laser dot that shows up on your dry fire target or on your wall, whatever you're practicing with. So you can see where your hits are landing and you can make adjustments to things like your grip, uh, adjustments to your sight alignment, things like that. It's an awesome, awesome practice training tool. They're also listed over in our offer section on our Facebook page. And again, if you guys purchase one of those dry fire mags, a piece of whatever you spend with them comes back to support what we're doing here at the Prepared Mindset. So awesome, awesome company, the great product, super excited to be working with those guys. But okay, let's get to it. So rifles, um, I really wanted to talk about this for a while and I wanted to make sure I had somebody else here to, talk, to bounce ideas off of, right? Absolutely. Um, because you're in law enforcement and your, I don't want to say rules, but technically they're rules, right? Your rules around what you guys have and can use are obviously different than what we use in the civilian world. You know, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. And, well, you can't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a few policies and things that are like department uh, specific that we can do and can't do. And, you know, it's pretty much fair game if you ask and you have a good reason for it there's been a few things that uh i've gotten a hard yeah. no on <laughs> well i mean and and from the sounds of it like your department's actually pretty cool about most of what they let let you do right mm-hmm. um but i know that a lot of departments aren't that way um and and talking more specifically just about ar platform rifles because i think it's so i mean it, it's the gold standard Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you're an American, you want to buy a rifle for self-defense, you're not looking at an, I mean, again, you could look at an AK, I don't know how you would, or a Galil, or, um, you know, some of these, like, really Gucci, fucked up yeah. things that guys want to go spend shitloads of money on and stuff, and that's awesome. Like, balls deep in the idea of you spending seven grand on a rifle, like, you want to get an HK416 or something, like, you, you do you, man, but... Yeah, if you got it, spend it, right? You know. Yeah, yeah, no, Absolutely. Um, but the AR platform is, it's super customizable. And I think that the, why it's lasted as long as it has, right. The manual of arms on it is super simple. Yeah. Like you can teach somebody to pick one of those things up and in less than 10 minutes, I don't want to say they're going to be like really proficient at it, but they'll be able to, they know what's up. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's ready to go, you can hand it off and say, yeah, here's the trigger point it. Yeah, and then there's like there's the safety switch, like yep. two, two things you need to know: safety and trigger, and you're good to go. Yeah, in the event of emergency, it, the thirty second rundown. Here you go, back me up. Yeah, and <laughs> that's I mean, yeah, you can you can get into lots of what's if, what you know, what's what if, and and all kinds of things with people. But that's yeah, essentially you can say here, just point the business end where you need to yep. do some damage, and you'll be fine. Yeah, right. So, with what you guys do. It's different, right? Because A, there's, I mean, you're thinking a lot more about cost measures, right? Because there's hundreds of officers that you're trying to outfit versus one of, like me, where I'm looking at one $500 optic purchase versus, you know, 100 or 200 Absolutely. Um, you're looking at things like reliability and sustainability mm-hmm. and things like that. So uh, in that aspect, you buy because it needs to last, right? Right. So, yep. like, uh, we were checking out your rifle before we started recording, and you guys, that's the EOTech 
It's the five five twelve. I would believe so. I hate to say I think, that yeah, I carry this thing and I don't even check it out, but I do believe that is the one that we run. Because it's just a little bit bigger than yours. So that's what I've seen. I looked it up about a week ago. I think mm-hmm. so. so. Yeah. I mean, and the only difference, because I actually had the opportunity back in September um, when I went to Ann Arbor Arms, picked up my EOTech. The only difference between the 512 line and really like the EXPS or, or XPS line that's uh, a little bit more common now is the battery. Yep. So you have like regular double A's or something. Yeah, I love A's. it. Um, and mine can take lithium CR123s yeah or something that's the only reason it's a different size but functionally they're about the same which you know? and we all carry those uh little CR batteries cuz mm-hmm. my pistol flight my tack light on my rifle all yeah. those that's all they work so essentially now i mean i can run double a's and it's an extra battery i have to carry but see yeah i was just going to say that too like when people talk planning out not even just like kit and stuff but you just pl- planning for survivability or preparedness, whatever. Like, how many things can you get to run off the same battery platform? Mm-hmm. It's in my mind, it's the same as why you carry a Glock 17 and your backup's a 26, right? right. You share magazines, yeah. But then it's, I don't want to say it's ultra short sighted, but it is. It is a bit of an oversight when you know you have an optic available that's going to give you the same performance. But it's you know, and I and you, you don't want to spend the money. I get it. You know, it always comes down to dollars and cents. Oh yeah, but. You know, so you guys run the 512. I have an EXPS2. Again, very similar, if not borderline fucking identical. Yeah. Really. And uh, it's a super popular optic. Um, for anybody listening that doesn't know, it's a holographic optic. And what I th- and EOTech's actually a Michigan-based company, which is one of the things I really like about yep, them. I agree. Um, but one of the things that, that is uh, so so well-known about them and why they're chosen by law enforcement and military is because... Um, of how the the reticle itself is projected. It's a holographic optic, and it has... Uh, I'm going to fuck up this word. I'm like losing my train of thought as I'm saying this. The, um, the accuracy. There's no accuracy shift uh, with the holographic optic. No. Um, and there's a term for it, and I'm totally fucking... I'm going like, to remember this in 20 minutes, and I have to come back to this point. Oh, yeah. Um, but basically, regardless of the angle that you're looking through the window you're going to parallax yep. there it is yeah <laughs> uh parallax free optic so yep. regardless of what angle you're looking through the window at as long as you see that reticle you're within and it 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 kind of shifts at a couple different distances but it's it's essentially a parallax free optic so you're going to hit whatever you see in that sight window yep you know which is not the same for all optics no and it does make it nice um there's people getting into law enforcement they never shot before and yeah. we can hand them a rifle, and with minimal training, you know, it does allow for some bad habits to still be an effective shooter. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can make those changes, but it's nice that, you know, you can give someone this rifle and you can show them how to use it. And especially with the EOTech, like you said, it's, I mean, you can get that reticle on point and you're pretty much pointing you where you need to. Yeah. When, and like, and it's different, right? You look at something like an Aimpoint T2 or just like a regular red dot. Mm-hmm. Not to say there's anything bad about those optics. They're not reliable because they are, right? Um, a lot of people start off with a basic red dot. But the parallax issue becomes a lot more noticeable, especially when you start looking out to distance. Oh, yeah. Um, new shooters, to your point, right? EOTech, you just hand it to them, and, you know, parallax isn't really a consideration. With a red dot or especially something like a scope, 
then you have a lot more room for for human error. Absolutely. Right? And that's kind of, you know, and I was one of those people like, okay, I don't need to spend EOTech money, you know, for a long time. I was like, they look cool, and you see them on all the pictures online and stuff. Oh, yeah. and it's like, badass, man. I totally want to fucking have one. But I don't need it. I'm not going to do it. Finally did it, and it makes, and they're, I mean, they're durable. They're yeah. good optics. I beat, I beat the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they keep going, and they actually have a pretty decent warranty behind them and everything. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't want to spend the money on it. So they go with, and, and this is no knock on saving on a budget optic. Like I ran uh, Vortex Crossfire 2 Red Dot for years. I still have it. Great optic. Yeah. Um, but the parallax issue, um, and it's just the, it's the simple red dot. Yeah. A lot of people struggle with picking up that red dot without training. Yeah. Whereas, you know, EOTech, you got that. You must have a full radical. Yeah, it's like a 64 MOA ring. With a two MOA dot or something, yeah, which um, is nice, especially at range. I honestly, I actually like it for up close. Oh, I love it only because um, it's it's a bigger red dot mm-hmm. essentially. So when you're trying to just pick that up, it's like bam, right there. It's super easy to pick that up. Yeah, you don't have to close an eye or anything. I mean, you bring that up to your shooting stance, and you, if it's you know heat of the yeah. moment. You can no, see it. And, you put and it there, and that's huge. When especially you're talking about, you went to the academy with people that have never shot before yeah. or had never shot with something like that before. I don't know that a lot of people actually understand the curve that goes into that. You know, and and, and it's the same reason why you talk about shifting from a handgun, right? A handgun with irons to a handgun with a red dot. Yeah, big and deal. You get, I mean, you get people that are like, oh well, irons are faster. No, you're just used to shooting with irons, yeah. and that's fine, but a red dot is faster. I mean, you don't have to worry about alignment and all that thing. It's just yeah, put the dot on the target. And honestly, I'm waiting for more law enforcement agencies here in Michigan to adopt it as an accepted practice. Uh, yeah, I know quite a few that have gone to a SIG with a holographic sight. And they really? They love it. Yep. yep. In yep. Michigan? Yeah. Shelby Township runs a SIG P320 with the, uh, I believe it's the Romeo Zero. Uh, or maybe one of their Romeo two, whatever yeah. their red dot is yeah. that comes whatever from the factory. They, uh, had some buddies that work up there, and uh, that's what they use. They loved it. They had to stare at it during the academy because the holsters got recalled. So <laughs> they couldn't carry it. They couldn't shoot it. They had to use these academy issued Glocks, and they had these fancy SIGs sitting. Yeah, like come on, just let me shoot it. Yep. Yeah, but like you but, said, and, I mean, but it's faster, mm-hmm. you know. Like I mean, and honestly, I think everybody should learn how to shoot with irons. I think especially on a rifle. Um, I think that people, and I, when I say people, I do include myself. Yeah. Um, you get into that like false sense of security because you always got your electronic optics and stuff. So Absolutely. it's like batteries die, the thing fucking breaks. Yep. You know, it's like okay, can you still shoot? I mean, do people still run backup sites? So that's a main concern that always comes up when we bring up to our range masters about changing optics or really? why didn't we go with like an ACOG over the EOTech or mm-hmm. things like that, that, I mean, the military runs an ACOG, right? It's tried and true. It's battle tested, literally. For Yeah, I mean, for, for some things more than others. I know um, I was listening to one of the Fieldcraft pods uh, a couple weeks ago, and everything's got its pros and cons, mm-hmm. right? The ACOG, they're, I mean, they're fucking tanks, dude. Yeah. And they have an, I think most of them have, like, the etched reticles, so even if the battery or the tritium, like, wears out, you're probably okay for 80% of what you're doing. Yeah. but. The eye relief is so fucking bad on them. You know, I mean, a lot of people hate them for that. Oh, yeah. You know, and same thing with, you know, EOTechs. Uh, they have their issues. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, the battery life usually because they, they stay on and then they don't have a shake awake function. Yeah. I think mine has some kind of timer. I yeah. Say. I think it's, if it's the same that's on my EXPS2, it's if you turn it on with the up arrow, it's, it's eight hours and then it shuts off. I think if it's with a down arrow, it's four hours oh, God. and then it shuts off. Some kind of timer mechanism built in. I know a lot of other optic companies now are doing the shake awake function, mm-hmm. which is popular and I mean, cool, but I mean, if it was in my car all day, it would just sit down though. Yeah, because you're driving around and bouncing around and yeah. everything. It literally makes no fucking difference. And I think, yeah. you know, so maybe that maybe that's not a con. You know, but, maybe that's, that's Yeah, that's okay. the, so going back, it's a big thing that comes up is uh, we have to be able to leave iron sights on the weapon because in the event of any kind of failure, anything like that. Yeah, you want to have that sighting system there. It's literally like a department policy that whatever you want to strap on this thing, you still need to be able to run irons. Yeah, and I wonder about that, though, too. Like, So running irons, but could you do something? Because, I mean, you guys can't see because you're just listening. But uh, you have a 16-inch Colt mm-hmm. with a, just like a stock. When you think of an AR-15, like stock AR-15, it's got the pinned and welded, um, yeah. not pinned and welded, pinned A-frame sight and everything. Pretty pretty standard. But I do wonder with some of those, some of those kinds of concerns and stuff, like, okay, so couldn't you go to a slim handguard and just use – fixed irons in addition to it like a red dot yeah that'd be nice right you know um or do a fixed iron out front a flip up uh sight in the back so then you can still run a magnifier that's or, or something what like i'm that. running so i use a flip up in the back and yep. then uh have my fixed up front but yes yeah, so i can still run like a magnifier if i need to mm-hmm. yeah, which... a lot of the the magnifiers now as long as you have that flip to side mount mm-hmm. you still have the room to run like a pop-up magpole backup site or uh, well, really, I mean, I think Magpul's kind of like the standard for yeah, a lot of that stuff. I, I There's other really ones. too but... many other ones. Magpul's got it like down the pretty cheap. I don't. Yeah, I mean, they're like forty bucks for the the plastic ones. If you want to get the nice ones, they're like eighty or ninety bucks because they're metal. The only other ones that I've seen or heard about that are really good and robust, that at least that I would trust, is like the military stuff. Like I when I say military stuff, it's usually like on the clone pages online, mm-hmm. like Knights Armament flip up sites, yeah. and if you're buying those sites. It's not to put it on a duty weapon. No. You're buying it because you're cloning a fucking rifle from the war on terror and you're spending $300 on sites that really aren't that great to begin with. Yeah. You know, but I digress. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. You know, I, just, I think it's funny that, cause we had this conversation a couple weeks ago, I think about armor, you okay. know, that some of these guys are, uh, you know, range masters or armorers mm-hmm. or whatever are so hung up on some of the old fashioned ways of thinking. And that's not to say that, there's not merit. Yeah, they're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. You should. I think you should have a backup sighting system. Right. Um, if that's flip-ups, that's flip-ups. That's fine. Um, there's alternatives out there. And also, I would not to say the optics don't fail because they do. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when's the last time someone has seen an Aimpoint T2 fucking break and stop working? Or, to your point, an ACOG? Yeah. Yeah, very rarely do things, like, tragically happen where they're just completely taken out of service yeah and you know and of course the one time that it happens that'll be the case somebody turns around and goes well see i fucking told you yeah you know that that's why we have to do it this way Mm -hmm. and again it's a consideration you know and you guys have those rules and you have to abide by that because of usually it's liability yeah yeah a lot of this 
a lot of police work is liability. It's, yeah, it's liability <laughs> and just you know, CYA. Yeah. But as civilians, we have that that nice, like, I've actually kind of started seeing this trend a bit more as, like, guys won't run irons mm-hmm. or backup irons at all. They'll either just run a scope or just run, you know, whatever optic. Yep. And then, or they will additionally run, and you can kind of see it on the rifle, it's behind me, like the offset red dot. And that's that's a little more popular if you have, like, a magnified scope. Yep. You know, um, which I love that that's kind of gaining traction. And I also kind of hate it. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of guys build rifles like that, you know, 16, 18 inch, or honestly, some of them, it doesn't even matter what fucking length, and they'll put a 1 to 6 or a 1 to 8 or a 1 to 10 scope on it. It's like, okay, cool, but do you actually shoot out long and far enough to to need that? Probably not. Or are you just doing it because it looks sexy for the gram? Right. You know, I get it. Hey, man, like, fucking you want to spend your money like that, dude? You do you. Like, go flex. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're reaching out a little over 300 yards, I think you'd... Yeah. Probably just look at something different. But, like, why? I just, I, I'll never understand. Like, you're running an 11 and a half inch gun. Why do you need a 1 to 10? Yeah. Why? Just you had $2,700 in your pocket that you just, like, you had to fucking spend the money on that and that alone? The, the hard part comes into, like, training with those weapons, too. I mean, yeah. if you are doing some serious training and going to classes or we go to the range, these things get beat up. Well, and you guys actually have the ability to train and do stuff like that. You know, most local gun ranges are 25 yards. Yeah. You know, that's like as far as you're shooting. mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a struggle for, you know, us normal folks because then you got to fucking figure out how to uh, use one of those adjustment paper targets. And like here, I can shoot at 25, but if I zero to this target, it'll actually be a 5200 zero, which is what I want. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay. But for the larger majority of dudes that are doing this stuff, it's like, dude, you don't need that. No. Run an EOTech with a magnifier or a red dot with a magnifier. It'll give you more than enough sight picture. Give you more than enough range for what you're... I mean, realistically, talking about liability, right? Yeah. What's the farthest shot you're going to take with a rifle as a police officer? Yeah, so I'm accountable for every round that comes out of any weapon system in my hands. Yeah. So... I even say a hundred yards would be stretching it. Yeah, because you know, I mean, I'm within a, a residential neighborhood. Right. I mean, a hundred yards, man, it can be two blocks. That's a long distance, and Too especially far. in a in a heavily populated area, or even you know, because you work. I mean, I'm thinking like downtown where you work, but like whether it's the suburbs or the actual downtown, like I can think of one road that you get a hundred yard shot on. Yeah, and most of the time that Ford using rifles, man, it's out on a street in a neighborhood just like right outside your door. Yeah. I mean, it's cookie cutter in every city. You know, you got houses, 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 and someone's having a bad day and mm-hmm. you know, we have to go to rifles. It's it's never more than fifty yards. I think the last time I was at somewhere I mean, the guy was on his front porch and we were in the street. I mean, yeah, 30, yards, 40 30 yards. yards at yeah. most. So, you know, you're not really reaching out. I think for 80% of the people that get an AR platform too, they're using it for some kind of promise of self-defense or, mm-hmm. you know, and in that, like, he's, are you reaching and out to 100, it, 200 yards yeah, for self-defense? If you live out where you got a ton of like, mm-hmm. where you live, your things are quite a bit more spread out than yeah. where I'm at. and. And, and fine, that's a consideration then. But that's more the exception, I think, than what you usually see out of people. Yeah, and that comes in more like hunting, reaching out coyotes or yeah. things like that. You know, I mean, you're not 
is someone unless they're like a, a trained shooter or if they're a hundred yards away, like are they really a, a, an active threat? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe. Right. right. But I, I would, I would guess I would answer that question with the question of, are you really the best solution to that, to that threat? I right. mean, and if you are, and I mean, there's a whole bunch of other questions that come mm-hmm. into it, right. You know, like, do you really need to take that shot? I always talk about as a responsibly armed citizen, you know, we own and carry firearms as a shield, not mm-hmm. as a sword. So in those kinds of situations, for me, it's like, okay, my priority is to defend my family. So if I'm at the store, it's to get them out of the right. store and then we can leave and everything's fine. Or if there's like a home invasion type thing, you know, whatever. But if it's your point. If someone's 100 yards away, if they're a threat, then is my appropriate reaction then like, I'm going to take the shot. Yeah, or is it get out of the way? Yeah, or, or is it go hide, get out of the way, find cover? You and, essentially have a hundred yard head start. So, yeah, you know, unless I mean, and and that's not to say if, if guys want, dude, you want to if you want to own an LPVO, you want a magnified scope, like, dude, I, I mean, obviously, I, I own one. Mm-hmm. My wife has one on her rifle. Like, cool, no, no disrespect, but I also know that I have an eleven and a half inch gun set up with an EOTech that I, like, if something happens, that's gonna be the one I grab. Yeah, because it's shorter. And it's not magnified, and like I, I just and I train with that one, and I know that that's going to be effective for what I need it to do. Yeah, in the moment. Yeah, and and the nice part is you can be with these rifles and these platforms. You can be as you know, uh, you can do it as custom as you really want. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I think we were messaging a couple of days ago. You know, you'd like to go to something shorter than a 16 inch. Yeah. For a duty gun, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Like we we're just saying, I mean you're probably not looking at a 100-yard shot in your workday. Not to say it can't happen, right? but, you, I mean, and even if you were, I think with a 10.5-inch gun, or even up, let's say, a 12.5-inch, yeah. you could probably still make that shot effectively. Yeah, you're, you're still plenty accurate. And if you chop that 3.5 or 4 inches off the end of your barrel, you're only going to be that much more effective in a enclosed situation. Right. Things like you know cqb room clearing yeah. home clearing building clearing um which makes it tough yeah but, i mean i can i mean i get it you know and I, I i do get it and i don't get it why people are like all obsessed with law enforcement has to run a 16 inch gun or you have to run like the 18 inch like old school carry handle m4s yeah. and stuff because that's what the armorer used right. when he was in fucking nom yeah and, and that's i mean and functionally right they're not different no but um i don't know if you saw that uh it was actually a pretty tragic uh, incident with a police officer i can't remember what state um he had like one of those 18 inch like old school ass m4s with a fucking ACOG sitting on top of that carry handle, and he shot the guy in the, like, Burlington Coat Factory and shot, like, through the guy and, like, through the wall and hit somebody in the changing room and well, killed, like, a 13-year-old child or something. Y- yeah, which... And... Right, that's, uh, in one of your firearms rules, be sure of your yeah. target and... And I get, in, in those moments, right, and that's a difficult part for you guys, you don't always have the no. time to sit there and go hey dude can you stop for a second i just want to check this out before yeah I want to make sure no one's behind you. yeah but i think it also does speak to you know hey maybe worth reevaluating why is your optic sit fucking <laughs> four inches off your fucking barrel yeah yep i think that goes into training right yeah, oh, yeah. About- training for sure and i also just thinking about it i'm like shooting out to distance 
what does your fucking holdover have to look like on something where your optic sits that much higher off yeah, your barrel? Quite a bit. I it's got to be fucking goofy as shit. Yeah. Espe- I mean, yeah, especially even like up close, you know, within. Yeah, how far are you holding over that dude's head to try and hit him in the in the chest if you're zeroed out to, you know, however many yards or whatever? Right. I mean, even at the 50, like 50 to 100 yard zero, I'm still within 20 some yards. I'm at a two inch, two and a half inch holdover. You know, mm-hmm. so. And that's something people don't understand. I mean, I think going back to the EOTEX, I think that's like a kind of a, a hidden, not really hidden, an unrecognized um, pro to mm-hmm. running one with that 64 MOA ring is you can kind of start to plot out where your holdover has to sit at certain distances. Yeah. And, and to your point, right? comes back to training mm-hmm. the only way you're going to know i mean you're going to know that is by having done it yeah, spend having some time tried to shoot at 100 yards know what that holder holdover looks like or 200 yards and understanding the data a red dot's great but a red dot is literally just that it's it's a red dot yeah so you have to be and again you have to be an even better shooter in my opinion than to to, to know that right yeah. you know your holds um and then as same the reverse is also true the closer you get that's the opposite yeah you know and that was one of the things when we took our uh concealed carry tactics course or even when i took my carbine course last year that was the first thing that robbie had us do is like all right let's check your offset Mm -hmm. and every fucking one of us and like yeah you're at 10 yards or actually probably close it was five yards like yeah you're way fucking high because yeah. you guys aren't adjusting properly to your your mechanical offset yeah and understanding the ballistics of what you're shooting and trajectory things like that knowing that the round's still traveling up to mm-hmm. a certain point and then it changes and comes down and yeah, there's all, a lot that goes into understanding that yeah you know and, and with I, rifles it's just that much more because you're reaching out that much further the velocities yeah. are that much higher it's designed to right mm-hmm. you know that's why uh the 556 five, round I mean, it, it's a fast round and that's one of the things why when people ask me or talk to me about like oh if you thought about getting one of those ARs that shoots nine millimeter and they take Glock mags I'm like not really <laughs> yeah it's kind of defeats the purpose I mean I'm really looking for something to push a rifle around because I mean if you want to shoot nine millimeter then get a fucking Glock yeah I I mean it, ideally I would say if you really want to go get an MP5 because those are sick they're also like three grand or, yeah or more or whatever but I think the whole like in in that regard it's the ar platform right shooting nine mil or 45 i think that was born more of like the competition shooting world because yeah. less recoil um but now i'm starting to hear some stuff too like they actually recoil more but it was cheaper i don't i don't know um at any rate nine millimeter doesn't have the range that a rifle does and i think the whole sub gun idea was born out of like the, the cqb world mm-hmm. and everything and yeah there's less ability uh or less possibility that it's going to over penetrate and stuff. So it's really situational. Yeah, I know our breachers carry the MP5. So, oh, really? Yep. Just because it's easier to sling, get close when they're carrying the ram. See, and that's the bullshit part too. Is it's like, so wait, they get a fucking MP5 and I get like an off-the-shelf Colt. Yeah. Like, come on, bro, hook it up. Yeah. Like, yeah. give me like a short barrel or something. Give me something I can work with. Yeah, these are things I. I try and ask for, but I'm always pushing the envelope. So, is your is your armor like one of those super old school like stodgy dudes that just doesn't want to hear it? Or he's probably in his mid 40s and he does a great job. He's very knowledgeable about yeah. our weapon platform. See, and I, know, like, I was ex- fully expecting you to say, "Yeah, he's about 75 and pushing retirement." Yeah, yeah. So surprisingly, I mean, not a lot of guys make it past 50. 
uh, in law enforcement, you're pretty much really. Yeah, I'll be 55 when I retire. So I mean, it's a 25 and out kind of thing. Well, and 55 when you retire from law enforcement, I guarantee you won't stop working. Oh no, I'm gonna go out west and check fishing licenses part time, man, and you know, just <laughs> right, enjoy right. myself. But yeah, I mean, like I said, he's got a good idea of what we need on the road. Um, some of us that are a little more knowledgeable and like. Our armorer and our range masters are two different people. Like we have a gentleman who oversees all the weapons, mm-hmm. all the you know training things like that. And then our range masters are the ones who do the training, take us to the co- okay. you know they take us to the range and they run us through the quals and they're I was all ask, yeah. What's what's the difference? And I guess so. So is the range master then that makes the the like the the end of day makes the decision on what you guys can or can't carry and things like that? No, so it also go through our armor, which is one person, um, and then like there's probably half a dozen to a dozen range guys, and they're all armors. They you know they take the Glock armor course, the Cole armor course, Remington things like that, so they can work on everything that we have without having to just walk to one guy because it's kind of a pain, you know, if we have to go to the armor every time. But I think the armor just deals with more of the paperwork of it than uh, so that, yeah. So he gets the shit job or shit into the yeah, state. and he orders all our stuff and the, you know, essentially, he's who you have to email or go and ask if you want to make any modifications and if you want to do anything that's pretty extensive. He's the one supposed to be doing it. Mm-hmm. Let's give or take on whether it happens or not. So I mean, I guess for you guys though, is that I mean, really, how much I mean. With guys you work with, how much modification do you really see on a lot of that? A lot of it comes to like comfort stuff. Um, a lot of guys are using like the vertical foregrip. Mm-hmm. They're changing out. Um, you know, they go to like a quad rail. Yeah, changing out stocks, changing out um, grips, things like that. Just charging handles, just little things that a lot of people. Yeah, it's all preference. See, and that's I think something that some people don't realize is the comfort can help it can mm-hmm. also be a huge detractor if you try to cut corners and what i mean by that is like you're talking about charging handles mm-hmm. right i mean good charging handles are expensive yeah <clears throat> the mil spec ones work just fine they're like 12 bucks yeah but if you want to get one of the gucci ones like i have a radiant arms raptor in my 11 and a half and i think i'm embarrassed to say that i paid 85 dollars for that charging handle yeah because it's an ambi charging handle they're a good company they use quality parts yeah also know that i spent 14 dollars on one that looks just like it and definitely is not you know a radian um and that's a failure point yeah and honestly if your fucking charging handle breaks like you're like you're supremely fucked absolutely because you can't cycle that weapon right and then i mean you come into um i don't know if they use the same terminology when you go to training but they're big on this like gross motor skill thing Yep. Um, they say that the first thing to go when you're adrenaline, you get adrenaline dump, heat of the Absolutely. moment, your fine motor skills right out the window. So if you can get, you know, a lot of our guys run a charging handle that's pretty big. And you can... You, you want to be able to get a hold of it. Yeah. Yeah, just in the event of anything. I mean, you literally can just throw your palm there and whatever's going to catch on it, it's going to catch on it. and You'll be able to work it. Mm-hmm. So and that's, you know, and I, and I get it. You know, I think that's a like give and take thing too because you want something that's big, but you don't want like so big that it's catching on shit and mm-hmm. stuff but I, I do see some of these guys that get super super slim charging handles yeah like oh i have small hands i don't i don't need to worry about it i'm like i get what you're saying yeah. i just don't think you've thought it through all the way yeah you know it's like you said gross motor skills when you're under stress contextually speaking you have to you know i like to give myself more leeway than i need yeah 
I, I I use this like premise of if I'm gonna run something, yeah. Um, I think about like you should be able to be ripped out of bed at six in the morning when you're not expecting it. Someone run you around the block, yeah. bring you back home, hand you your rifle, say here, charge it, get on point, let's make a shot. And because yeah. you're that's about the closest you're gonna get to shit hitting the fan without actually being in that moment. Yep. You know, and uh, you go to a lot, you can go to a lot of trainings where they have instructors that are like right up on you, and they're pushing the pressure and things like that too. And but if you can't do those things in those situations, that that's where you need to start looking at your equipment. These are things that need to change. Yeah. When and, you're and when you realize your failure points, like, and that's even with an easy platform. Yeah. Right. They are like we were saying earlier, super easy to use, super easy to teach. Yeah. You know, even clearing malfunctions, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of a couple yeah. you know like a bolt override or something but most of those malfunctions you can just you can fix it by just clear dropping the mag you rack the shit out of that charging handle yep. and you can you know reinsert the mag you're good to go it's most of the be. time yeah you know as long as you have a decent rifle and i say decent actually pretty generously like you have to have a super nice rifle yeah i mean platforms tried and true yeah i mean as long as you you keep it relatively clean you know what you're doing, and the, you don't have like total just shit parts. Yeah. Um, that is the one thing I will say that I I don't like about where the AR platform has gone is just the overall accessibility has, which is good. I'm not nobody fucking quote me. I'm not saying that I think we should be less accessible, but that does mean we get a lot of like cheap shitty parts now available. And you see guys are like, bro, check out my new rifle. I built it for only three hundred dollars. Yeah. Like, you it's- built it yourself in your garage, and you only spent three hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. Where did you cut corners? Right. <laughs> and how long is that going to fucking last? Yeah. What kind of stress test have you put yourself and this weapon through? Yeah. Things like that because that's where you're going to start realizing. And I think when you go cheap like that, um, or not even just cheap, just use things that you think are more maybe economical that don't make a difference. When mm-hmm. you start pushing that weapon system, you're going to see those those as like points of failure. Oh, and it's going to come through super quick. Right, and that's where you're going to have to make like corrections. Um, the rifle I, like I said, showed you earlier that I use, I run it as was given to me mm-hmm. and beat the crap out of it for a year. You want to know where you sit with it before right, you start exactly. I stuff. Right, exactly. I have ARs at home of all different calibers and setups and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, this being something that I'm going to use every single day, I carry Trust with your me. life with it, yeah. Right. Um, like I said, I, I burned it out and ran it hard. I see things now a year later that I would like to change just on experience, not because, oh, this is cool. Oh, this has something etched into it. Oh, I, see, I get good reviews. You know. I mean, I'm, I'm down with looking cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think the etched shit, the goofy shit people etch in their rifles, I think it was like the Punisher skull with the Donald Trump hair or something. Like, yeah, funny on the internet, not, you yep. know, not that cool. Or I think there was the cop a couple of years ago who got, like, he got in some serious, I think he was exonerated like ultimately but because his fucking um dust cover when it pops open it said you're fucked yeah mine's mine at home says buckle up bitch yeah <laughs> that's your personal gun it's yeah. not you're not gonna be using it on duty so it's like and honestly i think a lot of that stuff you, you start to see people doing that and it's like dude really you don't it's bad luck i mean it comes into we hear that a, bit, a lot about our glocks and like the rear Oh, the rear plate. I was just going to say, you like, the colored plates, and then you put stupid shit on there, like, you're fucked. Or, yeah, or, that all looks bad on body cam, you know, not yeah. that you have anything to hide, but, right, everything's out of context nowadays. Well, it, just, it raises the question. It makes things that much harder on yourself, and... Yeah. Does it... 
does it actually add anything? Nope. And it came in all the way down to like we just did a tattoo policy at work, so we are able to like show tattoos in uniform. But finally, it's only two, you know, twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. But like, you have to get these things approved by people before you go get them because they don't want you on body cam you know, at full extension with the Punisher logo on your forearm, <laughs> you know, pointing guns at people, it's not a good look. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's not a good look. And it, again, it just raises the question. It makes yep. it that much easier to question. And unfortunately, the world we live in today, everybody's looking to point yep. the finger. Like, when you're already under the optic. Yeah, you're that. it, it makes it that much worse. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's stupid. Honestly, I think you should be able to get whatever. I mean, don't get stupid-ass fucking tattoos. But right. I think you should be able to get whatever, whatever you want. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, and you see it on the internet. These guys, they buy a Glock, and the first thing they do is swap out every part they can with, like, red anodized bullshit. Yeah. Oh, check it out. This is my baby. It's my new daily driver. I'm like, bro, you look like a fucking retard. Yeah. Like, just go shoot the fucking thing. I mean, and if you want to upgrade it later, then then do that, I think, maybe tastefully. But, like, if you want to put a new trigger in, fine. Yep. If you want to change up the slide and get it seracoded, Fine. But it's not going to – I mean, guys put so much fucking money into that shit. And it's – I think it's honestly – it's just as bad with, like, Gucci Glocks and stuff as it is with AR-15s. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see guys putting all kinds of shit on there. Like, uh, you got uh, a hand stop and a vertical foregrip because you might need to shoot from two positions and multiple sling attachment points. Yeah. And I got this huge beefy rail because, uh, you know – and I say that having a full quad rail on mine – you know, and guy, they'll they'll fucking stick anything and everything on there. Yeah, and I've seen it. I mean, even to like bayonet mounts. You know, you're like, why do you why do you need these things? Um, Are you really gonna use that? Are you really gonna fucking spear somebody, bro? Like, hope not. <laughs> it's a bad day. I think any day is a bad day if you're getting the rifle out for for work purposes. But yeah, if you're going bayonet. Through yeah, the front door. Then something fucking went wrong. Something has terribly gone wrong, yeah. and you need to take six steps backwards and figure now, have out. You, have you yet had a day where you had to actually, I mean, not necessarily use it, but deploy the rifle? Uh, yep, so there's been a few times. Um, funny thing is the first time I can think uh went to rifles, and then it was... I don't want to say taken away from me, but we were doing an extraction out of a backyard for an injured individual, Mm -hmm. and there was still an armed individual in the home. Um, So we went four deep into the backyard, and as we're getting ready to stack up and go, you know, it came down the line, me being the low man on totem pole. Hey, you need to go lock that back up because you're going in, hands open, you're grabbing the the person, you know, and and taking them out. So it's like, oof, you know, that was tough. First time I got to deploy a rifle, I put it back. Um, like I said it's it's never a good day if you're pulling that out. Yeah, um, but it does happen. The individuals that we are coming across mm-hmm. more commonly have these ARs. Yeah, we had a carjacking a week ago on Sunday, and they ripped off two rounds at the guy with an assault rifle. Just yeah, cause. I mean, and that was the go-to weapon that day during the carjacking. It's like, when has that been a thing? You know? Yeah, I mean, they're kind of unwieldy, like to just be carrying around a carjack. It's usually a handgun. Yeah. Yep. So but, we we see that a lot now. Um, these guys have AK pistols. They have the you know AR pistols. Yeah. 
So it's always the shit ones too. It's always like the cheap shit you can find for as much as you can or as little as you can spend. And like the you say like an AR pistol, I'm envisioning like no stock or no brace or anything right. on it. It's just the tube, mm-hmm. and it's short as shit. Everything's like shitty stock furniture on it. Yeah, but it's smaller, so they. Yeah, everyone wants it. Yep, they love it, and they use it. And uh, so these are the weapons of you know the criminal world now. So we we need to be equally as armed. Yeah, I mean it's just it's they're they're super common. I mean, you know it's 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 no different than I mean it is a little bit different, but it's no different than saying you know Glocks are the most common handgun in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean you it's a essentially it's an escalation of force, which I know we we kind of, we t- we talked about the last time you were on, but yeah, same your your point applies, right? If they have a handgun, I want to have a handgun. Or ideally, if they have a handgun, I want to have the rifle. Yeah. And if they have a shotgun, then I want to have the rifle. Or they have a rifle, well, I want to have a better one. You know. And yeah, I want to throw bigger, faster, yeah. more accurate rocks. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because uh, when I, our buddy Justin, right, who's also in law enforcement, when I was talking about to him when he first started on the job, and he had dealt with a. I want to say it was a barricaded gunman situation or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I think he, the guy ultimately wanted to like run it out of the house, but. Um, they're coming up a, a driveway, and uh, guy starts shoots out, shooting out the front door. So they stop, yeah. bail out of the vehicle, and uh, like, well, did you hide behind it? Well, there's like a bush, and then there's the car. Yeah. And they go, okay, so what did you do? He's like, well, I had a shotgun, and uh, after that day, I decided I never wanted to carry a shotgun again. Yeah. And I'm gonna carry an AR in my car, and I'm not gonna. I I don't want to out him or anything or, or dox him i don't know what's the i don't know what the, the the social media term is but his agency yeah we'll just say his agency um <clears throat> i have gotten my hands on his rifle before just to check it out and mm-hmm. like dude i wouldn't send somebody out into the field with that like carry handle no no optic carry handle um they do have quad rails i think and a vertical grip but it's one of those cheap shitty ones that has a light built into it or something okay. and, like yeah i was like dude but this is what they give you? They are very uh, squared away, set in their ways, we will say. Yeah. Um, so you, you know what agency he works yep, for or it, where he where he does business. So. They've been around a long time. I think that they're pretty hesitant to change the way Which, they do things. I, it's just it's awful. And I'm and I'm, I'm saying this as a civilian. You know, I, I wasn't in the military. I'm not in law enforcement. I'm just – I consider myself to be pretty well-informed on a yeah. lot of different things. But – talking to you guys talking to uh you know friends i have that are in law enforcement in like kentucky cincinnati area and everything how hesitant some of these administrators are to change rules around stuff like this it just doesn't make sense with the development of technology why not invest in it yeah and when i say training like i said before um not necessarily like us on the road obviously we need to train the things that we have but from like an administration standpoint Right, they need the training to see why these tools are effective, useful, yeah. and appropriate. That's a good point to be used. Right, it's again, it's it's them seeing to to give us the right things so that we can work properly in an effective manner. Mm-hmm. You know, with the least amount of backlash or harm to be done to anyone. Well, and, and I and I think it kind of gets thrown out there by the media, like, oh, they're weapons of war and. Uh, or military grade weapons is my it's my favorite yeah. like phrase I when people ask me about this or you know and then I always defer to like Sam mm-hmm. right and like hey how sweet was that rifle that you had in the military he's like I'm pretty sure I was the 14th fucker to have that thing and yeah. it's older and shit and beat to piss um, but the thing is that, like military grade is used as a term to kind of 
imply like militaristic intent yeah. and um like let me try to even fucking say it. like it, it's just it's it's used as a bad term yeah which I, to me at the simplest of breaking it down it just means durable yeah it's it, exactly it because right. the military the government they're the cheapest ones of i mean yeah anybody so they want to buy it once and they want to have it last as long as as is possible and uh if you guys if you've never listened to the the fieldcraft survival podcast uh one of the guys with fieldcraft kevin owens used to as a green beret ended his military career in the i can't uh i can't remember the name of the the department or program he worked in but he was working with the the unit or department that does the testing and acquisitions behind this gear oh nice and talks about like you know and he was in a video with grand thumb online where they talk about this is the you know this is the surefire suppressor we picked this specifically because of its durability and we ordered you know twelve thousand of them because we thought we were going to shoot through them and have to change them out and we just fucking haven't because they last so long which is nice yeah, but it, and they did that for durability, not because it was the quietest or had the le- the most muzzle flash reduction or anything, but from a durability standpoint. And then a lot of guys are like, "Well, I gotta have Surefire because that's what the military uses," mm-hmm. and it's a good can. Yep, nothing on, nothing bad on Surefire, but you know, saying military grade usually doesn't <laughs> refer to your to your point. It doesn't refer to destructive ability. It's no. just, hey, this shit's gonna last a really fucking long time. Yeah, and you're not gonna have to buy another one for a while. Yeah, I can get rained on, buried, ran over. Yeah, and I might have to like kick it to get it to work, but it's gonna work. You yeah, you're gonna <laughs> get it. You're gonna get it to do what it's got to do. And, yeah, I mean, and and that's what you know with AR platform rifles and and stuff. It, I mean, mostly ARs. Like when people have like no gun sign stuff like that, it's almost always either a silhouette of a Glock or an AR-15. Yeah, yeah, pretty well known. Yeah, I mean, because that that look. Right, that mm-hmm. like outline of the A-frame sight and everything. Like that's just that is the rifle. Right. You know, and it's, I mean it's synonymous with assault rifle, and it's not really an assault rifle because not select fire. No. You know, and but and I don't know how many of these conversations you've had, but I've definitely had people ask me why you need an assault rifle. I go, it's not, I mean assault's a verb. Yeah. For one, and AR doesn't even stand for assault rifle. Nope. And well, well uh. uh at that point, you've broke them. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. Don't know what I was just, just going to bring up. I, I, a lot of people don't know that it means you know, armor light rifle. Yeah, or... armor light rifle pat, patent fifteen. Yep. That was that's all AR fifteen stands for. I'm like, you know, there's an AR ten. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, is that is that better because it's a ten? Like, it's actually worse because the three oh eight. You know, and then it starts to really come forward how yeah. much people don't know. Yep. Yeah, and they like to you know we hear these terms a lot and yeah. they're interchangeable and. Or even if you you take like a five five six round mm-hmm. and a slug for a twelve gauge, because everyone's all about the shotguns. Like shotguns are fine, hunting's fine. Yeah. It's, that's fine. You can have your shotgun. You just don't need a rifle. But then you you show them a five five six round and then you show them a slug and you're like, so you think that this big motherfucker the size of my thumb, that's okay. This little guy that's smaller than the pencils we used in school for yeah. twelve years, that's the problem. Not, and that's not to take anything away as detractor from the destructive ability of the round. <laughs> mm-hmm. But people just don't... I mean, I think as humans, right, we're very visual, especially as time goes on with technology and screens and all that shit. Big you know, time. We're visual learners. Mm-hmm. You know, so until you can properly articulate what you're trying to say by, here, fucking look, here it is. It's not as bad as you, you think it is, and yeah. this is why people want it. Yeah, I mean... 
there's a reason that that's what's been around for forever. It's worked. It's used. It's used yeah. you know, law enforcement, civilian, military. I mean, same same thing with the AK, right? Right. It's been, been around since fucking World War II, basically. Yeah, long time. And Why haven't they changed it? Because it's not broken. Right. It you, works. You don't that, need that's to. one thing I'll, um, I'll say about having shot that weapon. And again, I don't own that weapon system, but something I've used and it's reliable. You point it, you shoot it, it goes. Mm-hmm. It's not going to stop going. Yeah, it takes a lot to stop on the, an AK from cycling properly yeah. and working. Like it's like a, like a GI issue 1911. Like, yeah, those things are so loose in tolerances. You can like drop them in a sand pit and they'll still run. <laughs> They're not great. No, nope. but it'll still work. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I guess, and it's it's not in in a bad way. I'll use the word like sloppy. When I did shoot the AK, mm-hmm. the action and the you know, everything cycling is, is a little sloppy just because of the tolerances. They're just so loose. Right. And you're like, wow, this this shoots like this. It's interesting. Um, where I see shooting like an AR platform, a little bit more precision mm-hmm. with the, you know, the way it cycles and the things that you feel and just even the sound the weapon makes. Well, and it's, and it's a smaller round, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a little bit soft. I, I was actually very surprised when I shot an AK at how soft it cycled. Yep. Like, you know, shooting the 7.62 versus the 5.56, I was like, all right, this is probably going to kick a bit. And it, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it hands as well. It's not enough to make me want to go out and buy one. But <laughs> yeah, but I, I actually really liked it. It was kind of fun. And, uh, you know, you can see, obviously, that shoots quite a bit bigger of a round than what we're talking about here, you know, the 7.62 versus our, like, 2.23 or 5.56. Mm-hmm. Um, probably 12 years ago, I got some info that the military was looking at these 6.8 SPC rounds from Remington. Yeah, they've been talking about that forever. Yep, and I loved it. I looked it up. I love the ballistics. You know, it reaches out a little further, definitely packs a little bit bigger of a punch, mm-hmm. and went out and bought myself a 6.8 AR. And... uh Got all excited because I was like, oh, this is... This You're thing. ahead of the curve. Yeah, what we're going to go to. It's going to be great. I can find ammunition everywhere. Um, it essentially came down to every time I went to Dunham's, whether it was for gun stuff or not, I was cruising the aisle for the lone box of 6.8 that they had. And <laughs> now it's a very, very expensive. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even know the last time I saw 6.8. Yeah, they're like a buck twenty-five. I buy a lot of them online. Um, I use it for coyotes. Um, really? Yeah, that's what it's come down to. How's that do with coyotes? Uh, it definitely packs a bigger punch. It'll put them down a little further. So you can. You I was can, thinking. I know a five five six and for a coyote is fine. Yeah. So I can only imagine that the six eight probably does a pretty decent job. Of, yeah, it does nice. Um, if you're like out past the three hundred yards, you have a l- little bit more backing to it than the five five six or two two three. You know. Yeah. A little, little heavier rock going down range and a little straighter, a little longer. So. Um, I don't think that the AR platform was built for anything bigger than two, two, three, or five, five, six. It's well, and I was just gonna say because uh, like you have the AR ten, mm-hmm. which is three hundred eight. But one of the things that I've seen and read a lot on is if you're gonna go with the AR ten route, you want a uh, you know um, a larger cal for hunting, whatever, mm-hmm. um, or you're building a long distance shooter, whatever. Buy it as a complete package. Yeah. Or you really need to understand what you're doing, and I don't know exactly why. But everything that I've seen, read, heard, watched, whatever, is when you try to piece together a 308 gun versus, you know, a 556 or 223, you have a lot more issues with the 308. Yep. And I, again, I, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but that's to your point, 
the platform probably just wasn't designed for that larger round. Absolutely. Can it work? Sure. Same thing with like these AK variants now that, that will run nine millimeter. And it's like, was it designed to? No. Not will really. It? Yeah, will not. it work? Yeah. Should you? No, I mean, probably not. Yeah. You know, and, and that's cool. I mean, if you want to, but I, I really do, I think to your point, if you're going to own an AR, just get it in five, five, six. It's like, if you're going to buy a 1911, get it in 45. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those things. Be an American. Just, just I see a lot of guys hunting with uh, the 450 has been become pretty big. Oh, the Bushmasters. Four, yep, the 450 Bushmaster round. Um, great round. I, I use it out of a bolt action, but a lot of guys run these AR platforms in a 450, and I see it a lot. And I am always very curious as to... It just seems really dumb because you can only have five rounds in the magazine, so it's like... Yeah, I wonder how it shoots. Um, I know I run like a basic Ruger American... Yeah, like, you see a lot of those when you yep. when you look like 450 Bushmaster rifle in Google. Yeah, it's I mean the Ruger American with the the muzzle brake and everything yeah. is what comes up. Five hundred bucks came with a loophole scope and. Uh, oh, yours came with a Leopold. Yeah, it shoots oh, great. No, dude, the shit you find now. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. when I was looking for my bolt gun, I, I looked into one of those briefly because mm-hmm. uh, everyone was like, "Well, you can shoot below." Here in Michigan, we have the rifle line. It's kind of like this wonky jagged line that goes halfway through the state where you can shoot with large calibers and stuff or, or rounds with a shoulder on yep, it. Yep. Shoulder rounds. And, uh, Oh, you can shoot below the rifle line with a 450 Bushmaster. And I was like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I, I ultimately wound up going with the six, five Creed more. Yeah. Cause I just wanted something that was going to shoot distance and yeah. do a little better than a 308. And honestly, I was actually surprised at how well that shot. Yeah. Um, I hear that a lot. With the six five Creed mm-hmm. Yep. We got a lot of guys at the department who are big like out west hunters. So, really? Yep. They uh I hear that come up quite a bit when I talk about what kind of stuff they're carrying in the backcountry. So Yeah, I mean I, I shot Jake's uh his a Ruger American compact, okay. I think, in three oh eight. I did not enjoy that at all. And then I was actually kinda scared when I bought the six five Creed one. Like, I don't want to spend all this money on a gun like this and then fucking hate. Like, I don't own anything now that I hate shooting. Yeah. You know, I, I like some things more than others. Absolutely. But I don't hate anything that I, you know, I purchase it and I'm like, fuck, I just spent all this money for nothing. Yep. But I was surprised. The 6.5 Creedmoor was what, you know, I did the research. It, it's a little bit faster round. It's a little bit softer yeah. on the recoil impulse. Um, it helps that I have a full-size rifle, not a compact version. Um <clears throat> And I'm probably going to add a muzzle brake to it so I can put a suppressor on it. But yeah. Might be nice. Speaking of which, I actually just went today. So we were talking about this earlier. I, I went and got certif- or certified my e-form today with the ATF. So if the government's not lying to me with this new e-form, I should have my can in 90 days. 90 days, huh? That's what they promised. Uh, what kind of time frame are you looking at, like start to finish here? If I did it without the e-form? Like, what are you looking at? I mean, oh, if, overall, if, yeah. I got it on Black Friday. Okay. So, so wow. I mean, which we're about two months from that. So, I mean, overall, if that's, if that stands, I'm at five months, which is still way less. Like, I've heard two years. So, yeah, I would say Sam, I think when he bought his, I, I'm pretty sure his was 14 months. It's a long time. Um, and I've heard other guys that right now they're like, they average with seven to 10 months. Yeah. So I bought it with the hope, like, well, hey, maybe I'll have it for my birthday in July or something. But, I mean, shit, if I get to the end of April and I have my suppressor in hand, mm-hmm. I'll be happier than a pig and shit. Yeah, I that's mean, exciting. You know, get into the summer so I can go take some training classes or something or at least have it for the fall. Yeah. Um, and I got a thirty cal can so I can run 
run six uh, six five Creedmoor through it. I can run five five six. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I just have to. Right now, the problem is is fucking. Uh, and it, I've seen this with Dead Air, which is the company that I I bought my can through mm-hmm. out of Sandman S. And I've seen it with Surefire. For whatever fucking reason, you can't find the goddamn muzzle devices in stock anywhere. Weird. Um, and the problem with this, if any of you guys are listening don't understand why this is a problem, is these companies have muzzle devices that'll go on your AR or even your your hunting rifle, whatever, that's specifically designed to receive their brand of suppressor. So if you don't have one of their muzzle devices, you can't use the suppressor on it. Unless you buy a direct thread, which I didn't want to do. Yeah. <clears throat> which would I mean, make sense, right? But then you're buying something for every... Every single barrel, yep. you're swapping them out for threaded barrels, and that's it's well. I mean, and realistically, I was talking with Chris from 1911 Syndicate, and they did a video on it on YouTube and stuff. And it's like, well, how often do you really think you're going to have to quickly put that suppressor on or off? Yeah, you hope not. not I'm often. Like, well, I won't. But it's way cooler if I can. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. so, I want to have it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're at the range and you you want to do a swap out, it's it's nice to have. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing with the, I mean, the AR platform, it, it, it can work pretty well with suppressors mm-hmm. and things. And um, that's the other myth, though, is that everyone thinks that, like we see on TV, you throw a suppressor on one of these uh, these rifles and it's you know, whisper quiet. And this is not the fucking case. Yeah, uh, not essentially. When I was doing the research on, you know, do I want to buy a Surefire or a Yankee Hill or the Dead Air or whatever, most of these suppressors across the board, will only save you somewhere between 18 and 22 decibels. Yeah. On a 5.56 gun because of how it breaks the sound barrier and how fast the round moves. Yeah. Which is why people like it for its performance and and things like that. 18 to 22 decibels. And that is barely... That's not even hearing safe in most instances. No. You know, and if you really want to get something quiet, you could go with like a 300 blackout and that's going to... Because it travels so much slower and you get into subsonic ammo and stuff. But... I it, people that's another thing you know people are like oh well did, what are you gonna do go shoot somebody with that suppressor I'm like, no dude I'm not gonna go fucking do that I'm probably just gonna save my hearing a little bit yeah like uh, when we were up in Atlanta Michigan I went up with Ryan and Jake I had, a father was out there with a son they were shooting a suppressed probably either a 308 or a 65 Creedmoor and that was before we started shooting so I was like oh well it's actually not that loud that'll be this will be okay. Pretty and then we reasonable. shot uh, Jake's 308. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do more than just the little foam earplugs here. Yeah. This is, and we're shooting under an overhang, too. So yeah, it's quite loud. Loud. I, was, I looked at them. I'm like, are you fucking kidding right now? Like, what? Like, you think these earplugs aren't doing anything? Now I understand why Jake's got hearing issues. Yeah. Yeah, I double up. I'll do the uh, the foam ones inside, and then I'll put my muffs on. Fuck yeah, dude. My biggest complaint is doing, like, you know, bench shooting or long-range stuff is, like, the cheek up here and hitting the muff. Like, mm-hmm. that sucks, you know, especially after, like, a 100-yard sprint. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's less of an issue on an AR than it is on, like, a hunting rifle, but it is still... Yeah. Again, that's a consideration, and some companies have... Well, you can't really do that much about it, honestly, on an AR. You can do some things. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about like the like SIG on their MCXs, which are piston guns. So they don't have the tube and the buffer tube. They actually designed like it should like a question mark, like a stock that like dips down. Okay. So that you can shoulder it the same with like a gas mask on with the cans and everything. Which is incredibly difficult. Um, oh, I did, did you have to do that in training? Yeah, probably like six months ago. I did <laughs> a couple days of rifle training of just like pushing it to the extreme. Yeah. Um, was that the class that you, you were telling us about that you were going to take? For, it was, you think you said it was like three days or something? Yeah, which was nice. 
Um, really enjoyed it. Did a, a lot of my like stuff like that with like gas masks and heavy gear was done like in a short thirty yard range. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the ascent, like just trying to get comfortable using those things and doing non-dominant side with a gas mask and it sounds like a pain in the ass. heavy vest especially when your gas mask you know they don't the canisters don't come straight out anymore they they it's have one a side, side or the other and you have to like pick or choose yeah you can change them based off like which side you're more dominant you're your dominant yeah. side shooting right so my gas mask is on my left my canisters on my left side um which is great if I'm trying to look down and, but then all of a sudden you got to go do non-dominant stuff and, and then it's in the way one. I don't know what it is about me shooting non-dominant. I have to lean way over and get my eyeballs in there. Um, Oh, are you? Yeah. I mean, cause if you're shooting non-dominant, then some guys I know teach like, well, then just use your left eye. Some yep. people have a problem focusing with their left eye though. And like, I struggle with that too. When I bump over or anything, it's like, makes it tough. It's easy if you're not, if, if you like with an EOTech, you have that big yep. optic window. Yeah, it's it's huge, easier there. Big. But if you're getting behind a scope or something with shitty eye relief or something, and you got to get up on it, like that's mm-hmm. it's not fucking easy to focus like yeah. that. Which is uh, pretty prominent in CQB. I never noticed until uh, I went to like this course. Oh, switching shoulders and everything. Yeah, I mean, for an hour and a half, uh, we we're in a use the term abandoned, but it's pretty well maintained middle school. Um, and we we're in a line of four guys, and we we're literally marching down the hallway. And they would call, you know, contact rear. And you're going from walking forward on your dominant side to coming to a switch, and they're they're showing you that like that switch over to your non-dominant. It's almost faster. So, yeah. so was this a course that was like was it work doing the training, or was this a third-party course that you signed up for and, and did on your own? So it was through our county sheriff's department they okay. own this middle school um part of the sheriff's department thing is called like oak tech which is like their their tactical training mm-hmm. division um it's like above and beyond just like standard patrol training i think i remember justin saying something about something very similar yep and it's uh they're they're very big it's not just within the county that i i work with they're part of like a statewide yeah i gotta like, imagine board facilities like that are not easy super easy to come by right. so you try uh, to work with whoever you can to yeah and it, it kind it. of um this went into like a lot of active shooter training which is like i got to use the rifle quite a bit yeah so doing that um they try and make that training universal because who's coming to an active shooter everyone like yeah all the cavalry's coming state yeah. county local municipalities and everybody needs to be on the same page you need to understand well and that's that's i mean cqb is dangerous whether you're dealing with a active shooter a kid at a school yep or you know a former military gunman at a mall or i mean and i'm just making shit up right but you know um oh it's hard you can you're in just in some of those situations i imagine anyways you're in just as much danger from someone around you not knowing what they're doing as you are from the person who's actually seeking to do harm i was friendly fire shot in the chest with a sim round at that training i was not happy about it um it, it didn't go <laughs> over say, how, well how did that feel uh those things fucking hurt i've I, never been shot with one but i've i've heard stories and i've seen welts and stuff like yeah that. the sim rounds they're a good time um i was i was a little more irritated at the fact that it happened less yeah. than like me actually getting hit in the chest but uh 
I definitely let the kid know it that I was displeased, you know, because we gave him the heads up. We are coming around the corner, you know, blue, 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 and then you turn around and you're getting shot in the chest. Top of the chest anyway. Yep. Yeah, uh, but, again, like you said, that's you're at just as much of a threat. you got to make sure the people around you are know what's going on and everyone's on the same page. Yep. You get more than one of these weapon systems in a confined area, and it's dangerous. It can be bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you talk about over-penetration and stuff, and I just – and it just highlights why it's important to do training and to yeah. understand, you know, uh, situationally and environmentally, you know, hey, am I, because we talked about uh, like weeks ago, probably months ago, my, you know, Lexi and I talked about office, office spaces and yeah. stuff. And most office buildings are not built with concrete walls. No. Now, I think her her work, I think, actually is an old middle school. So theirs are all center block walls. Yeah. But that's definitely the exception. Absolutely. I know the office building I was in was like uh, those like aluminum um Bar, not bars or studs, yeah, aluminum studs and like cheap drywall. Yeah, it's not really stopping a lot. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna stop shit. So like, really understanding the difference between cover and concealment, mm-hmm. and basically everything that you have there is, is a uh, concealment. It's not cover. No. And then understanding yeah, what you can shoot through. That if you miss what you're shooting, like you're talking about that Burlington Coat Factory incident and everything, yeah. like you're gonna go through some shit. Yeah, yeah. You better watch out. And especially, you know, in high stress situations, you're not not always seeing what's behind what's you. Your sight. Well, tunnel and again, vision, you know. Yep, comes down to training, understanding, you know, and that's one of the things that I've I've not been through some CQB training. It's on my list of things I would like to do. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that has been pointed out to me by this gentleman uh, on on Instagram who works with Orion Training Group, law enforcement in Kentucky, I believe, uh, or Kentucky Cincinnati area, is doing the worst things you can do is just fucking hunt through your optic yeah and you just you blur out you get tunnel vision like you just said right and you blur out everything else around you yeah the guy could be standing right next to you and you have no fucking idea because you're looking through that one and a half by one and a half inch absolutely window and and uh for years and years and years i shot you know when i closed looking right down and that's how i shot pistols when i first started in law enforcement that's how i shot rifles dude that's a hard curve to i mean yeah. That both two both eyes open, that is a difficult concept for people to grasp. This EOTech platform has substantially helped in that. It being such like a, a big like you yeah. said, big optic, big reticle, having that there, um, and it just being holographic. You go both eyes open, all of a sudden that thing's It's right, right there. Yeah. It's so much easier. Mm-hmm. And you you're know, like uh, you know. and it's worse with it only gets worse if you're not even, if you're not even using an optic, trying to shoot irons with both eyes open. I think it's easier with some like pistol sights. Yeah. You can get some high vis things that make it easier. But like, I'm just thinking, stock AR yeah, with that fixed difficult. front post and that flip up back sight. Like, good fucking luck, man. That is yeah. not a good time. Yeah, that's tough. Especially because there's there's no bright colors. There's no white circle usually mm-hmm. or anything. It's just black plastic and black iron. Good luck. Yeah, and you're just trying to look down range and and see how it. Like I said, it, it took me a long time to get around. I see the validity of it now. You can pay attention to a lot more things going on you're you're open to a lot more stimulus you know you close one eye well now you're open to 50 percent of the stimulus yeah that and just that much less that one eye is looking through a reticle too so what you're not really it's not even 50 percent of the stimulus you had before you're really honing that down and and talking about accountability right and liability and you're responsible for every round you put down range that's Mm -hmm. law enforcement civilian yeah i mean you're responsible you want as much feedback, as much data as you can get when yeah. you're trying to make that decision, you know? So 
you know, and when you put it in that context and explain it to people, then it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but here you are shooting with one eye closed. Yeah. Like, oh. And then they kind of feel dumb, and it's like, nope, it's fine. Everybody does this because it's what you saw on TV, yeah. and it's easier to focus with one eye and everything. But here's why you need to spend time working on it. Yeah. Run your run your platforms, you know, spend time with them, um, which leads me into my next thing. Um, you own a 22? I do not own a 22. No. Uh, for years and years and years, I preached after I got mine. Um, I was lucky enough probably almost 15 years ago now i went to a store that used to sell guns i don't even think it's there anymore gander mountain used to be able to go no, they and it. their their gun counter was unreal it was like a showcase but then all around you on the walls were these like wood racks and they had the guns in them and they were just on like a bungee cord it, it was like locked to it so you could go touch them feel them like if i was ever having a bad day the, the girl that oh, i would be seeing she'd be like you want to go touch guns um so that's I, awesome I picked up this one a hundred dollar used 22 and i will have to say uh it's probably the best investment in my shooting that i ever really? made um just because it's so cost effective to get yeah. time behind that trigger and you're just you are just spending time behind the sights with a rifle in your hand i mean and it's cost effective right yeah that's that's how you and you can even you can even now you can get for I want to say it's only like eighty bucks or something you can get a twenty two conversion kit for your <laughs> AR fifteen yeah you know it comes with one magazine and the twenty two bolt yep because you know twenty two and two two three are not far off no not at all so the barrel receives it does it just fine and a lot of guys that that would do that I mean now with the ammo shortage basically the way it is it doesn't fucking make a difference no <clears throat> which is disappointing because I still have like a Tupperware bin laying around I think I bought like. 8,000 rounds <laughs> way back when, yeah. with that gun for under 100 bucks. And yeah, it, dude, 22 used to be so dirt cheap. And it lasts. I still have some. You know, like the other day I broke this thing out and it really reminded me, like, just getting behind the trigger, spending some time doing it, mm-hmm. is going to carry over into being better at everything. Well, and that's that's why we talk so much about, like, just go out and train. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, dry fire does a lot. You can get. I love that. better dry firing. Yeah. But you should, I mean, like you said, you guys qualify twice a year. If you can, for anybody listening, like, honestly, I went to, I've already been to one class this year. Yeah. With Lexi, we did the concealed carry tactics course. Um, I can wholeheartedly vouch for the experience of Ann Arbor Arms, but go take a class. Yeah. You know, if you have to drive an hour or two, because like, it's basically an hour for us to get to Ann Arbor. Yeah. Go train. Get Get outside input from somebody. I mean, even if you're a great shot, yeah. right? Dude, fucking Tiger Woods still took golf lessons. Absolutely. He still had an instructor from a guy who was obviously not as great as him, but they can see things you can't. We have a guy at work who shoots competition pistol probably a couple times a week, and he still is going to Glock, taking their courses, going to different shooting places, taking time off of work and taking money out of his own yeah you know to do these courses because not that it's not deemed necessary but not everybody needs to go to these in in a law enforcement fashion so he takes time in his own personal life and his own personal money and goes and does this to get better at what he does i try and shoot once a month i wish i could shoot more ideally once a week but i remember those days yeah yeah i I used to try and go every other week yeah on like a thursday or friday night or something after work and like yeah this is fun i love this i can go put 50 rounds downrange or something or 100 rounds and not feasible not yeah not feel awful about it now it's like 
dude, you can't even fucking find nine millimeter on the shelves no. at the time. And it's, I think the cheapest I have found a box of nine millimeter has been thirteen fifty, which is for fifty of them. That's yeah. pretty cheap. I well, mean, considering it used to be like ten bucks, you know, that's it's, yeah. I mean, the cheapest I've actually seen it in a store though, twenty two dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck that, dude. Like, it makes me glad that I stocked up a couple thousand rounds before. Yeah, you're right around that COVID. 50 cent yeah. like, round thing, which is unreal. Like, dude, when it was $40 a box, I was like, dude, I, no, no fucking way. You know, and you can't even make it because you can't get primers. I remember yep. driving all around, and it was, it was pretty brutal. I mean, it seems like things have kind of come around for the rifle ammo. I know the local Cabela's has a whole aisle just like fucking stocked top to bottom full of 5.56. I'll have to get over there and take a look at it. Yeah, last time I was in there, they had a whole aisle, and it was <clears throat> it's like 85% uh, Winchester white box. Nice. So, like, not not the not the greatest of ammo, definitely not the, the worst. Yeah, I mean, something like, you can trust to run, at least. Yeah, it's not like Wolf or Tula or any, like, steel case shit mm-hmm. ammo, but um, even that, those used to be 7 8 bucks a box, now they're, like, 14 Yeah. But you can find them, which is was a huge problem, and you know, right when lockdown set in, and they they deemed gun stores as a necessary service. Uh, yeah, all the ammo disappeared. Yeah, which was interesting. And then there was a shortage of just trying to get things. And then I don't know if you heard. I watched a video from Remington that talked about them going through some kind of admin changeover. They went through bankruptcy. Yeah, right <laughs> in that yep. time period. So that was that was pretty tough on them manufacturing ammunition and. Them saying they were getting back to it. Well, then you start getting the conspiracy theorists. They're like, well, the government's buying the ammo, and they're just stockpiling it for the war that's coming. I'm like, I don't know how much I believe Yeah, that. if you talk to our service guys, that's that's not necessarily true. Even maybe some SF guys who are, they'll tell you that that's not true. No, no, they don't. I mean, they get their ammo somewhere, I'm sure, but they all shoot, like, good ammo. Like yeah, even us. We had uh, an issue with training last october we needed to call with rifles and were not able to get the ammo we needed we had to go to a different city and basically write them an iou you know i can only imagine how awesome that was like hey man can we like borrow some ammo Mm -hmm. and we switched over from 40 cal pistols to nine millimeter pistols two or three months ago and we've had the pistols for five months, but getting the ammo in yep. to qual everybody and then give them duty ammo took longer than it took to get the guns from Glock. That doesn't surprise me at all. It's like you almost would have been better off just sticking with the 40 because it's less desirable. But, I mean, ultimately, I think if you're going to have people shooting, you should shoot 9mm. Yeah. But yeah, it's been a great change. Yeah. So I can't complain about that too much. What's uh, You got any big rifle uh like upgrades changes things that you're going to be doing or i mean i'm waiting on my can um i'm going to i mean once that comes in i already bought a spring co spring um a stiffer spring uh i need to get like an h2 buffer Mm -hmm. for my 11 and a half inch and i'll uh that'll help slow it down a bit i had somebody in in the class i was in that um didn't do that yeah i assume they were just waiting for their can to get out of jail right so hadn't made the necessary changes um for you guys don't understand if you suppress a gun you, you over gas it because you're controlling that explosion a little bit more and then it makes the bolt move faster and you have problems with ejection so you got to slow that bolt down mm-hmm. have your spring have your buffer 
Um, so that's on the list. I already have the spring. Need to get the buffer. Obviously, wait on the can and hopefully find a fucking muzzle device. I have one, but I don't really love muzzle brakes. Okay. Um, but past that, um, I mean, I built a AR pistol upper uh, when lockdown set in. I was like, I'm going to use this time to learn how to gunsmith or yeah. be an armor or whatever. So I might pick up a lower Okay. for, you know, Lexi to shoot that or something. Um, but I think I finally have both of mine where I'm kind of happy with yeah. them for now. Um, the only change I might make, honestly, of course, like when I at, at the point where I had bought my EOTech, that was like the most money I'd ever spent on yeah. optic. The first thing Lexi says is, wow, I really like this. This is really good with my astigmatism. 92 of them. Yeah, exactly. I was like, motherfucker, of course (laughs) you love this. Like, of course, the $500, $600 optics, what you need. So yeah, might do one of those for for her because right now she's running like a a 1 to 6. It's the top one on the rack there. Okay. You know, 1 to 6 Strike Eagle with an offset Bushnell red dot. Nothing, Nothing crazy fancy, but. Yeah, but it works. It works. It works. She built that gun. Um, she got a bonus at work uh, a couple years back and went and built one at the... Unfortunately, the shop closed, but they were one of those really cool family-owned places that if you if you bought the parts through them, they would either assemble it for you or teach you how to assemble it. Interesting. Which was fucking awesome. Yeah. So she got to build it herself and everything, yeah. which is cooler than anything I've done with my rifles. Absolutely. What about you? Anything anything big coming down the line rifle-wise? I mean, I got that... that what is it? Uh, oh, yeah. Your wedding, so I don't know, like, yeah, how, yeah, that's, how that's, that's going, but put a damper on things. I got uh, when we get our duty rifles, we have the option to just keep them and turn them back in when we're done with them, mm-hmm. or what they call a buyback program. So, essentially, every time I get a paycheck, there's another deduction sure. out of my, for my rifle. Um, and once it gets down to like a dollar, I think they keep a dollar of it, so yeah, that just so they can't say that. It's technically a uh, departmental <clears throat> weapon. They yeah. maintain it. They can fix it, things like that. But uh, And then when you retire, I think they just eat the dollar. Yeah, um, or have you paid off in your last check or something. E- yeah, yeah. So we're getting there. Like, um, I want to do some more classes with it. Uh, yeah. You know, I love just spending – I spend a lot of time behind the trigger of a pistol. A lot through yeah. my life, I, I would say. Which I'm, I think is appropriate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's harder to shoot a handgun well yeah. than it is to shoot. Like people don't realize, uh, October, end of September last year, when I'm north of Ryan, mm-hmm. he had never shot an AR before. Yeah, so I, I gave him mine. Yeah, and uh, he'd say, "Wow, I'm just waiting for the recoil." Like, there's really not no, not there's like, really not a lot not of at recoil all. there. Yeah, that's uh, like I said, I just want to shoot more. Um, obviously, ammo's expensive. We're having a wedding, so price is the big Just thing. Just put on your your wedding registry. Yeah, that'd be great. The, yeah, I mean, I'm sure your wife will kick your ass. But. Oh, yeah. But going back to uh, buying these things, we get a once-a-year rifle allowance. Yeah. Which is nice. They give it to you for some departments. Issue you an off-duty gun. We, in our contract, just decided to get paid once a year for, like, either buying one or... That's you, nicer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is nice because you can spend it on everything and anything that you want um i tried to allocate some of that this year for for new fun toys it didn't didn't go over so well um i would like to run a magnifier i'm going blind at 32 Can't damn dude see anything um i mean i'm still good i can call at 100 and 150 yards with the iron sights no big deal mm-hmm. but like just definitely noticing well, I mean, anything that gives you an advantage is 
Yep. Is worth it. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of having a magnifier. I'd like to see how that works. Um, and now, like I said, I've burned through this. I, I make some adjustments for comfort. And um, I'm a midnight sky. I've been on days now for the winter here. So even that comes into like how I need to adjust my setup. If I'm spending eight to 12 hours of working with this thing when the lights are off. Yeah. Yep. It's got to be set up a particular way. A lot of guys run pressure switches on their lights and things like that, which I find to be probably a little bit more um, practical at nighttime. Um, not necessarily now on my day shift. I don't. You don't use it as much. Nope. Nope. I think I, the most action my light gets is when I check it before shift. I mean, it's good to have yep. if you're in a going to a dark building or something. But yeah, I mean, your usage is going to be less so. Very minimal. Yeah. Um, and you're not really using them as a constant anyways. So we'll see. I'm going to make some changes. Just uh, try and figure out what's going to work best. i got yeah. tw- 25 years left. So. Well, I mean, the nice part is there's a million and a half fucking options out there. And yeah. most of them are relatively affordable. I mean, you can change your handguard for 100 bucks or less. Yep. You can change a stock for as cheap as like 25 Yeah. You know, depending. You want to go with Magpul furniture and stuff. So a lot of those are are easy upgrades that, mm-hmm. that can have a, uh, an impact and then if you're talking about stuff like magnifiers you know companies like hollow sun and vortex you can also go with like uh eotech and aimpoint you spend more money but yeah i'm a big fan of the vortex stuff i have their binoculars <clears throat> for work and hunting and uh beat the crap out of them yeah they have great warranties on all their optics oh, yeah. stuff no questions asked yeah, like just... it's transferable second mm-hmm. third whatever how many owners they don't which is big especially if you, it's something you're going to beat up Fuck yeah. You know, my, my rifle it doesn't get tossed around, but, I mean, it's in a rifle rack. It gets yanked out of there. It's Especially when it's time to go. I mean, you're not really concerned about being nice to it. Yeah, no. You know, my fancy EOTech has got about a year on it. And it's pretty, pretty banged Beat up. Shit the hood on it's pretty... Uh... Yeah, I have no issues with it. I, I like it. But that's what it's there for. So, I mean, I guess if you're that concerned with it, you could probably try and replace it. But yeah. I, it's, that's what it's there for. I mean, I... Just use the fucking thing. It's a tool, right? Yep. Like anything else. Absolutely. It's also an armrest for me trying to type or oh god, put my hat on it when it's raining. Nice, <laughs> nice. So these are all things. Yeah, looking forward to it. Should be should be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get back together then and uh, and go through see how things have changed and yeah, I found know, a thousand maybe... yard range. I want to get us all out too. Dude, I'm down. Or I'm, and we'll see. Try and get you, me, and Sam together and go out to Ann Arbor. They yeah. Have a, gunfighter course that's coming that they're gonna do um they've just added a new instructor there who's got like 20 plus years of law enforcement experience so no definitely definitely gonna do that so uh but hey man thank you for coming on anytime it's always a, a blast catching up and, and talking through all this shit we already doesn't feel like it we're an hour and a half perfect so <laughs> but uh yeah man thank you and uh that's all we got for you guys so i hope you found this informative uh or at the very least enjoyed it I'll be back next week. We got more stuff coming. Got a lot of things going on this year. We're just starting to get into February of 2022. So stay tuned for more. Until next time, you guys get out there, train hard, work hard, and as always, be prepared. Be prepared.